Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's Paul. It's the seventh day of January, and it's a Saturday. So let me tell you what's coming up tomorrow on the podcast, on the full-length audio sermon drop, and at paulwhiteministries.com, YouTube PWM. You can get the full-length video of our December Chapin, South Carolina Grace Encounter. We held this before Christmas. This was during Advent season. I did an Advent-themed sermon You'll be able to find it tomorrow titled, The God of All Comfort. This is a sermon where we talk about the construct of the book of Isaiah, how it's laid out, why it's laid out the way that it is, and we step into this little gap because there's a, about a 150-year gap in the middle of the book of Isaiah, not quite the middle, just to the about two-thirds part, uh, that the gap is a spot where there was a, a, a transition. It's very likely that the author of the last third of the book of Isaiah is not the same person as the author of the first two thirds of the book of Isaiah. Into that gap we step and we minister opening from the book of Lamentations. And we show, because Lamentations happens in that gap, and we show the world into which Jeremiah presents his lament. And then right out of that lament, right into that second half of Isaiah, something changes. And this is a message that we then take into the new covenant to show how the Apostle Paul takes the idea of comfort and puts it into prophetic language. So this is a message that you have the darkness of that little gap in the middle of Isaiah, the the lament and the hopelessness, because Lamentations is a funeral song. So you have this funeral song in the middle of Isaiah where there's no hope. Then comfort is promised. And, And then we get to the New Testament and see what that comfort looks like and why. I think this will be a message that will sort of stir you from a Bible study standpoint, because it has a lot of interesting little angles, but it's also a message that will is a good way to sort of get your year started in realizing that, that what is in the past is in the past. And so there is this brightness of what is coming. Look for the God of all comfort. If you like video, YouTube channel PWM, If you just want audio, you'll find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Two drops every Sunday. One's the DDP. The other is the full-length sermon. Okay, Mark chapter 1. Yesterday, we talked about the fourth verse. I want to say a little more about that today. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The Greek here is a little closer to he came preaching a baptism of heart transformation because of forgiveness of sins. I was thinking before I started recording about how individualistic this moment is in the midst of a world in which the messages of repentance have all been corporate. When you go through the Old Testament and the prophets call for repentance from Israel, they're not calling for individual repentance. They're calling for national repentance. Israel is the subject of the Old Testament. When you get to the New Testament, almost as if to mirror the fact that God has become an individual human, 
the New Testament seems to shift in some ways into more of an individualistic approach. And Mark, who has just declared the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, introduces John the Baptist, who's preaching a decidedly individualistic message. People are being baptized in water for or because of remission of sins. Listen to the next verse. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, here's a bit of hyperbole. We don't assume that everyone in the land of Judea and Jerusalem went out of the city and that everyone that went out was baptized. This is the danger of taking every word literally. But it is to indicate that a lot of people came to hear John. But what did they do at the end of the verse? Confess their sins, which is an interesting concept, considering that the individuals in the Old Testament did not, they didn't have the, the salvation ethic that we see in the New Testament in which we emphasize the individual confession of sins. And so John comes preaching something quite path-breaking. He's declaring the individual has a route to God through water baptism and the confession of sins. Now, water baptism was not something prior to this in the way that we think of it. Israel definitely had washings. In fact, they had a lot of washings. Water was an enormous part of their worship ceremony, an enormous part of their cleanliness rituals. Their rites of purification involved water, sometimes water mingled with ash, sometimes water mingled with blood, but always water. Um, But they would wash their hands and their feet um, it might be poured over their body, but we don't we don't see Israel engaging in individual dunkings in the Bible in into water. Baptism was a phrase that meant immersion, and it did not necessarily mean immersion in water. Paul would say to the Corinthians that Israel was baptized into Moses in the Red Sea. Well, they weren't baptized in the Red Sea. In fact, the opposite happened. Remember, they went through the Red Sea on dry ground, but experientially, they were baptized in the Red Sea, meaning they were completely immersed in this Exodus event. And so when we're baptized into Christ, we are immersed in water, but we're actually completely immersed in this death event of Jesus. And so John is preaching something quite new that you could repent. The the one translation, I think the David Bentley Hart translation says that This was actually a baptism of the heart's transformation for forgiveness of sins. So John is proclaiming the possibility of your heart being transformed. You can think about the fact that that had been a promise under the Old Testament that God had told Israel that they they needed to circumcise their heart, but he didn't give them any grounds to do it. So when John comes preaching this, it's not only is it a precursor to Jesus, but it's the beginning of the gospel of God, and it's unlike anything anyone had ever heard. But remarkably, people apparently show up by the thousands to have this message and to be a part of this message. It shows me the yearning heart of the people of that day to have heart transformation. And the fact that Jesus walks into this moment is yet another indicator that God had sent Jesus at the exact Perfect, purport, uh, uh, perfectly apportioned time in man's history. 
We move on to the sixth verse tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.